Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. Steve. Nicholas. I forgot Winston or something. Wow. Winston? You think my middle name is Winston? <laughs> something like... We, <laughs> Great. Now there's some person listening yep. that's like, my name's Winston. These guys are jerks. <laughs> what is it? Weston. It's like, you know me. Yeah. So, um, I, I shared in my... You know, we put my story up, finally, the audio of my story, yeah. right? Um, one of the big moving shakes to my recovery, one of the inspirations for Unashamed was I heard this guy share right. his story. This guy happens to be the whole hope named Chris. So Chris and Autumn were the first story that I recorded. Maybe everyone doesn't know that. There's a little Unashamed history for you. Um, and I recorded it on my MacBook on their like table in their front room of their house. Like I just set it in the middle of the room and hit record. And... Um, I remember because I, you know, I've started unashamed and still do unashamed without like years of sobriety. Yeah. I remember driving over there with Kayla and I'm like, Kayla, I'm like you, she hadn't heard their story. So I'm like, you got to hear this people's story live. And I'm like, and this will be perfect. Cause then it's like, I've got both ends of the spectrum. Some people are like, this guy's an idiot. And I'll be like, well, Chris and Autumn are an idiots and they have like six <laughs> years of sobriety. So I was like all stoked about it. So, um, that recording's terrible. Yeah, it was time to put another one up. So to do their story justice, we re-recorded it. And this was a fun one because we now know them so well and have heard their story so many times yeah. that we were able to just like dial in. Yeah, well, I like this recording. I mean, you can find their story on several podcasts out there. but this Yeah, a bunch of different ones. I think this was the best one that they've ever done. Yeah, it was. And, it, and it's not just because it was us and it's unashamed. Oh, I was kind of going there, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is that too, but no, but it's, I think we hit stuff that just doesn't get covered in those other uh, episodes, the other podcasts. We cover this outside of just what happened. We kind of dive into um, them, who they are, what, um, yeah. what it meant, and their relationship with each other and with yeah. God. Yeah. Um, it's great. One well, of the bonus content, they talk about sex. Chris kind of talks about how he resists temptation, what mm-hmm. that dialogue has looked like, how yep. he's kind of done that. Um, uh, yeah. And God also, stuff. Yeah, they talk about their relationship with God now and, and how that trust is, I guess, kind of what that intimacy with God looks like for them now. Yeah, so uh, the bonus content comes to our outsiders. Our outsiders are those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed. James, how do I become an outsider? Well, it's quite easy, Steve. Uh, You simply go to our website and go to the donate tab. Click on Unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. Yep. And you can subscribe right there monthly, Um, you know, even if it's, you know, three, five dollars a month, annually, one time. Yeah. And just make make your choice and a donation and that'll get you onto our... um, private uh, podcast feed where you get all of the regular content. 
plus the bonus episodes. So to get that bonus into the content. Same, all in the same feed. All in the same feed. It's cool. So to get the bonus content, by the way, we call it a donation because we are a nonprofit, 501c3. Right. So the donations help us provide therapy for people who would not be able to afford it otherwise. Um, Check out the scholarship page. Right. With, with these... Um, Donations. We have already been able to sponsor people to go to the Heart of a Woman retreat. Um, you can go back and listen to that episode where we yep. um, interview three of the women who weren't able to, wouldn't have been able to go without that um, sponsorship or scholarship. Warrior Heart, some therapy and stuff. Yeah, it just and we've had guys that go. We've gone taken to Warrior Heart, and you know we're working on getting people into. Um, phase ones with Lifestar and, and other things like that. So um, you outsiders that have already donated, thank you so much. You guys are amazing. And um, if you want to donate to the cause, become an outsider. Yep. And legit, our outsiders are some cool folks. Oh, for no, sure. For yeah. sure. So, oh, yeah. Um, so we invite you. Come do it. Subscribe. And and the reason we like sit on that for so long is because like Chris and Autumn are such a banner of personal missions of just recovery. So if you don't know, um, uh, Autumn is helping with the podcast. They've just gotten started this year going Rise Up Restores, riseuprestore.com, um, which is like the female version of us. So if you remember uh, Richard and Becky's story, uh, Becky founded it with some lady named Christy. I think she's married to some guy named James Nicholas. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, she's been on our podcast a couple of times and Autumn and some other. So they're recording women's stories and doing the same thing kind of. right. So she's doing that. Go and check that out. Chris obviously helps run unashamed with us and they go speak like all the time. Right. So they're like, they're ready to come speak. So you can yeah, they email speak Chris. In wards and churches all the time. Schools. And it's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, they, and they, they dial adults, down. Yeah. Youth. Adults, youth, and they'll dial down the content for the youth, you know, and, and yep. make it Talk a, to the age youth appropriate. in the right way. Yeah. Leaders. It's right? amazing. Um, no, amazing. So if, if you're sound to my voice, they'll come, they'll speak. So in your church, organization, whatever. So you can just email Chris, chris at unashamedandafraid.com um, and reach out to him about speaking. They do an excellent job. Um, so all of these stories are amazing that we share. We say that every time, like, no, yeah. but this one's the best one. This one's the best one. This Here's, one just has a special place, I think, in all of our hearts because, you know, there's a reason we call Chris the Hulk of Hope. And he, he has been that beacon of hope for so many of us that followed in their footsteps in recovery, right? He was that beacon of like, hey, I, I've been doing it. it it's po- hope is possible. You can do this. And so many of us have just looked up to him for that, um, you know, because his story, his and Autumn's story is just, it's amazing. So I always say when people come on to record, your story matters because there's going to be someone out there and they're going to go, that's the story. Mm-hmm. That's the story that resonates with me. That's my story. That's my story of hope that yeah. I got. Chris and Autumn, for me, are that story and the story that inspired me to do Unashamed and Afraid. So, the legendary story of Chris and Autumn. Here it is. Autumn, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Chris. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> always a pleasure. So um, we're kind of going like 
down memory lane recently with our stories. Um, and yeah, so we'll have, we got your story, Jason's story, Swain Rachel was a little bit before that. Then yep. we got Chris and Autumn. So we're getting the whole team on. We're here. James so, Christie's a while ago. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, a couple that needs no introduction, but in case you live under a recovery rock, um, and have not heard Chris and Autumn's story, um, or heard me talk about them. So when I very first started recovery, it was Chris's story that I heard. It was the first time I ever heard a couple share their story um, and was one of the big inspirational pieces for starting Unashamed and Afraid. So we're here, the granddaddy of them all, Chris and Autumn. So now that you're completely hyped up and everyone's expectations are set super high, let's do it. So awesome. Start us off. Let's start oh, with me. Yeah, let, yeah, let's start with you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> So my story starts when I was like nine or 10 years old, I got introduced to pornography and some friends found it. And so we would hide it in a a field by just right by my, right by my house. And we go look at it every once in a while. And then the rest of my life, and and, and that's, excuse me, uh, right. It was right. That was right around the time where masturbation started too. But I don't remember that part of it. I just know that I used it for the rest of my life and I dealt with it through the rest of my life for um, pornography use as, as well. And, and so just whenever I'd have the opportunity to take a look at it, I would. And then um, when Autumn and I were getting married, I never told her anything. I told her that I had stopped masturbation, uh, but I didn't tell her that I ever had an issue with pornography. Uh, very rarely would I ever talk to an ecclesiastical leader, a leader about it. And so I just never disclosed any part of that because I was too scared. I just didn't know that I wanted to at all. And so... Well, you uh, and everybody else, like, no right. one's like, let's talk about it. No yeah. kid naturally, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not yep. a kid or man or anyone, really, right? Yep, exactly. So uh, we got married, and just off and on, just uh, obviously the internet wasn't available quite ready then, and... Um, it was right when we got married, but then I started looking at it every once in a while uh, on the internet, and then I was doing pretty good for a while, and then I got um, I started a mortgage company on my own and saw some pornography that I was just like captured by it, and just uh, what was every th- once in a while became almost a daily occurrence for me, and pretty soon within about three months of that. Uh, being in the office by myself, almost look, looking at it almost every day, uh, pretty soon that just wasn't enough for me, and I started an affair. So, um, so I'm gonna hit pause on you. Yeah, right there. Um, so a couple of questions I want to go to Autumn. Did you, like did you think marriage would fix it? Oh, absolutely. Totally thought marriage. I, I wouldn't need it anymore. My sex life will be perfect and have as many times as we want, and that'll heal everything, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yep. Common, as we know, right? Common, we have that. It yeah. comes up on the show all the time. So, Autumn, tell us tell us how this all happened for you. Get us get us to that point in the timeline. So. so, my parents were divorced when I was eight. My dad actually had several affairs, and my mom divorced my dad. And both of my parents remarried, um, and a lot of the discipline that took place in the homes that I lived in fell onto my step parents, and there was some physical and emotional abuse that went on. Um, 
I met Chris in high school. We were really good friends. I actually dated one of his best friends. And then um, we got married when we were 19. We were really young. Um, I had no idea. I knew he had masturbated. He had kind of talked about that with me a couple of times and said, I don't really have a problem or an issue. Um, I said, okay. And we got married and everything seemed to be okay. Um, until we had our second baby, we kind of had some marriage problems going on and a lot of things from my childhood started coming up at that time. So what do you mean when you say marriage problems? Um, we started arguing often. Mm -hmm. Um, things just didn't feel right to me. Things were off and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I actually thought maybe I had a little bit of postpartum depression that was playing into it. And so I went to my doctor and then I went, started going to counseling. And so I was going to counseling by myself for issues from childhood. And we just kept butting heads even more. And I asked him to go to counseling with me, and he said yes. And we went to a couple appointments, and the lady just looked at me like I was a crackpot. She, it was most, like he had done some really good gaslighting. I'm going to call it that at that time. Call a spade a spade, yeah, yeah, for sure. He did some really good gaslighting, and so she basically said, this is your problem, you the problems that are happening. She validated his gaslighting. She totally did. And I was like, I'm out. So I quit. We quit seeing a marriage counselor at that time. And I was just going to a regular therapist. Um, That kind of brings us to. Yeah. Well, and and acknowledge like therapies, like anything else, like bad therapy happens. It it does. That doesn't mean all therapy is bad. Not at all. When people tell me, like, I went to therapy and had a really bad experience, I'm like, you probably did. Like, it's I've had some bad therapy experiences personally. So that's – because I, I guess I just want, as, like, you express that and talk about, like, there are probably other women who have experienced that same thing. And so I just want to validate, like – because sometimes, like, therapists get seen as you have all the answers, the therapist knows everything. And it's like, well, yeah, but sometimes they're wrong. So I was going to uh – a different therapist for myself who was amazing at that time. Oh, cool. And so we we kind of asked around and got put with this other therapist. And after a few visits, I was like, this is not my jive. I am not going. I'm not doing this right now. And so we just put it on the back burner, basically. And we were fighting a lot at that time about everything. And I would ask him... Um, he started doing some different behavior, like he'd be a little bit late from work. Um, he would go to the gym earlier, and he took a bag with him. Just think, I started noticing some things, and so I asked him if he was having an affair, and he said, "Oh no, no, I'm. You're crazy. I'm not your dad." Um, he did that for a long time. I said that a lot. A lot. And so I did. I thought I was crazy. I just thought I'm I was, not your dad comment. Right. Yeah. With the gaslighting. Yeah. yeah. And she would start handing me and I'm like, I'm not your freaking dad. Yeah. And that was my way of kind of pushing it away. And we um, were actually trying to get pregnant with our third baby. And we had tried for about 12 months with no luck. And we were fighting so bad at that point that I actually looked at him one night and said, you know what? I'm going to go back on birth control 
I don't want to bring another child into the mess that we have right now. And we kind of got in an argument about that. And it was like, fine, fine. I mean, back and forth. And then I actually found out literally the next day I was pregnant with our third baby. And so I was devastated um, because I just thought I'm bringing a baby. I'm going to bring a baby home to this wreck, this mess that we have. Um, and it, I, I don't know. It was just a weird time for me. Yeah. So when I started that affair, uh, I, that affair actually carried on for about 20 months. And then there were multiple affairs that were in that time frame. And I just, I ha- just had that affair with her and, and Autumn knew these women, like she would know, she would ask me, she, she was like, are you having an affair with so-and-so? Are you having an affair with this woman? And I'm like, no. And I would totally deny everything that she would always say and, and one time she even's like, I know you're having an affair with her. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, then bring me home your, your cell phone bill. I'm like, all right. Well, so I, the next day. By the way, young children, Chris is old enough that on your cell phone bill, it would have a call log. Yes. Right? Correct. <laughs> I am only 42 right now. <laughs> but that is true. So <clears throat> I printed it out and I actually, I spent eight hours the next day at work changing all the phone numbers in my, in my phone or in, in the, the call log. Cause I was like, I'm not going to let her see all this stuff. And so I changed everything, brought him home and he had this huge stack of the, this huge stack of paper. I gave it to her and I'm like, here you go. And I was like, that po- that's proof enough that I'm not having an affair. And, but she knew she, she would constantly like ask me and she just, she just knew, but she didn't know. Can you tell us what kind of signs you were looking for or what stood out to you that made you just so certain that this was going on? Um, the arguing was pretty intense uh, and heated, and I just felt really disconnected from him, like a total disconnect. When we were first married, we were super, super close. He'll, he tells everybody that. he We were super close, best friends. We talked about everything. We did everything together. Um, that basically just stopped and he was going to school full-time and working full-time. And then he started a mortgage company right after he graduated from college. And I just, at first I thought it was because he was so busy with work that we were disconnecting. And then there just started a lot of excuses. Well, I've got to do this and I need to do that. And he he turned into pardon me an ass. He really did. He he was being an ass. Um, By the way, Chris is nodding his head yes. Yep. Just for it, the record, and he'll tell you that. And I'm like, that's sorry. <laughs> if you need to bleep it, you can. But um, it just was weird. And then I started asking questions. Well, because I would notice things. Like I went into his office and noticed something about him. It something going on with him and someone else. And I started noticing things and I I would ask questions and he'd be like, oh no, I think one of my spiritual gifts is I can walk into a room and notice things about people and I know things about them. It's your intuition. It, totally. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot, some people don't have that. Like my mom will say, I don't have that at all. I have always had that gift. It has kept me safe. 
in my life. It's taken me out of situations. So I feel like in this instance with Chris, I would be very specific. Be like, oh, no, you're just imagining that. You didn't see that today. Hmm. I'm like, mm, yeah, I did. No, no, you didn't see that. And then I started going in my head, well, maybe I really didn't see that. Yeah, the crazy making. Yeah, like just I say totally with the, that. So a lot of gaslighting kind of made you really question that mm-hmm. intuition. It questioned, I questioned everything about yeah. myself with the gaslighting. Okay. But I feel like a lot of women don't trust that. We talk about that on here, right? Like the women always know. They always, and it's not a black and white thing, but um, yeah, I mean, trust your trust your gut. If something feels off, it probably is. You, know? you totally need to trust your instincts. Um, I can't tell you how many times I didn't and I came back later and every single thing was exactly on once the truth was coming out it was exactly how it played out with us so yeah so how what's next I mean so how did it how did it all come up so you're having these affairs you're kind of spiraling you're gaslighting you're doing the crazy making what breaks I actually got caught for one of the affairs so I was young men's president at the time. I got released um, from from that calling, and then uh, when I went to when I went to the disciplinary court, I, I before I even disclosed anything to Autumn, I was like asking my bishop, "Is there any way that I could not tell Autumn about this?" Because this I knew was her biggest fear because of everything that happened with her dad. So I'm like, "Is there any way that I can not tell anything, say anything about this?" And he's like, "Nope, we're having your disciplinary court on Sunday, and she needs to be there." I'm and like, our oh, anniversary okay. was that week. Of course, oh, yeah. it was not our anniversary. How it always goes. <laughs> yeah, these things always happen on special occasions. Totally, holidays, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries. anniversaries. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so when we were in there, I was just praying that they would excommunicate me from the church. Because my perception was that if this would be perfect, because I'm not going to disclose any of these other affairs. I'm only caught for one. So I'm not going to disclose the other four affairs that I had. I'm like, this will be perfect, because in a year I can get rebaptized and then be totally forgiven of my sins, and then I don't. that's perfect, because I don't have to disclose it to anybody. So that was just a, a grip that the adversary had on me and making me believe that that was that was truth that that was that was real so at this point you're like you're not against recovery but you're kind of not all in either right. like, definitely I, looking I, for the recovery wasn't even an option yet like we, we didn't had no even idea know about recovery at that we point we didn't know anything about sexual addiction it was really not even at the it wasn't even the beginning of the forefront yet so you're not linking this all together no like this might be a pattern these affairs and stuff no nope. nope. that, that wasn't until a little bit later so I was disfellowshipped at the time. Uh-huh. I was not excommunicated, so I was disfellowshipped, but then I still continued an affair that I was having with um, my buddy's wife, and and that carried on for a while. And uh, we had just left it. We were going to go hunting the next the next day, and so with her husband and her and, her and my brother and, and some friends, and we were going to go hunting, and I had just picked her up, and we went to the alcohol store, and I was just dropping her off at the alcohol store. Or excuse me, I was dropping her off at work. And she was. I just love that Chris calls it the alcohol store. (laughs) It's just a a Chrisism. I just love the guy. That's all. The good old alcohol store. (laughs) Oh, the state liquor store is what it's really kind of. That kind of tells you where he's at now. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Chris has done a lot of healing. (laughs) So yeah, because I I had started drinking and and um, so I dropped her off, 
And but while I was dropping her off, she received a, received a call from her husband, and he or she looks at me and she's like, he knows. And then my phone started ringing, and I didn't answer it. Then I got my truck, and then I answered it, and she Autumn was just beside herself, just super pissed off, rightfully so. And she's like, you need to come home right now, and not so many good words. And so I'm like, all right, so. words we would bleep out on this podcast. He totally yeah. would bleep them out. <laughs> totally. Yep. So, well, it's fair. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So on the way home, we had just built our house and we'd only been there for 10 days in the house. And so I was going to not disclose that I was drinking and I had all this alcohol with me. So I stopped at my old house, dropped off the alcohol. And then by the time that I got there, my mom had called me and she's like, you need to call 911. Autumn's tried to kill herself. And so I called 911. And then pulled up to the, the house and I ran in the door and my son was like, dad, mom's sick on the floor. I'm like, okay. So I go run over to Autumn and she's just in and out of consciousness. And I pick her up and just start bawling. And I'm just praying that God will let her live. I was, I made a, a pact with God. I was like, I will stop everything. I will stop the women, the masturbation, the pornography. I will stop everything if you just let her live. And Autumn then spent three days in the ICU and then another week in the hospital. And I slowly, during that time while she was there, I slowly started coming out and telling her um, the affair. She would ask, did you have an affair with this woman? And I'm like, yeah, I did. And she's like, did you have an affair with this woman? And I'm like, yeah. But there was still just one that I was... I was holding on to because I was going to die before I told anybody about it because nobody knew about the affair. I was still working with her at the time. And I knew that if I disclosed it, I was going to have to fire her and let her go. And she had her family to take care of and stuff too. So I'm like, and we had stopped the affair. So I, I justified it. But again, that was one more thing that, that the adversary had to keep me from disclosing. It was like, it's okay. We'll figure this out. You can do this. And again, I tried to do everything on my own. And um, shortly after that, so Auden spent that time in the hospital. Well, so before before you jump to there, like, and it, and it's hard because like we know the end of the story. You're both sitting here, right? Yep. So we're yep. like, this ends well. Um, but like, without knowing the end of the story, like, like you guys are in a really bad spot. Like that's pretty heavy. So like. Autumn, like he goes through this first, which we, you know, we kind of skipped over through. Like he goes through this first discipline council, right? Gets this fellowship, is having this affair, totally confirming the stuff with your dad and what you right? He said mm-hmm. he's like, I'd use that double defensive, so it's like stab with a knife and twist. So like, what happened that like led you to being like, life isn't even worth living, like. So after he was disfellowshipped. Um, we started marriage counseling, and we actually were going to a really amazing marriage counselor. Um, and we were meeting with our bishop pretty regularly. Um, I was super depressed. It was bad. Um, I had a baby. I had three kids that were five and under, and I just felt like my world got rocked. Um, I had asked him some specific questions, and he'd lied. Um, had he told me the truth, we probably would have gotten divorced at that time. Um, and then 
I started, we, we had this group of friends we did a lot of stuff with, and we were with them often. And I started noticing things with him and my friend, and I started asking questions again. And he denied it, did a whole lot of gaslighting. And then um, my phone rang. We had moved really weird side story. We, we were going to move into our new house and we were up at swimming lessons. And my other friend and I left with our kids to come to the house. And all of a sudden I see him standing in the front yard with my friend and we pull up and I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, she just wanted to see. I'm like this, like red flags everywhere for months. And then I got a phone call from her husband and I didn't answer my phone. Like I, this kind of tells you where I'm, I am. I don't think it's appropriate to take phone calls from the couples that you're hanging out with, like the husband. I would never pick up my phone if he called my phone. So my phone rang probably 15 times. Like he hung up, called back probably 15 times. And finally I'm like, there's something going on. So I answered the phone and he told me and... I was like, I'm done. I just, I thought, you know, I've tried everything I can. It's just not worth it anymore. Um, I thought, well, she can come into my house and she can get what she wants. And my, I can have my mom or my mother-in-law take care of my kids. And I did. I called my mom and my mother-in-law and said I loved them and to please take good care of my kids. And then I tried to take my life. And when I woke up in the hospital the next day in the ICU and I was laying in a bed with like three people in the room watching me and like wondering what's going on, um, I knew I needed help. Like I knew we needed help. And I didn't know what it was going to entail. And then I went to the... um, LDS Hospital Uni, and I'm sitting in there with a psychiatrist and this, with all these people, and like, we're, it's basically, I was in lockdown, basically, Yeah. and I had two visitors, and we're LDS, so we are going to talk about that. Um, totally. I had my bishop from the, the house I had just left, and my bishop in my new ward, and both of them came to visit me on the same day at different times. And both of them asked if they could pray with me. And they both said, um, you know, we'll support whatever decisions that you decide to make. And my parents were really angry. Um, My mom especially. She actually kicked Chris. (laughs) It's not funny now. (laughs) I mean, it is kind of funny now. But she was so mad at Chris. We actually do laugh about it now. But at the point, it wasn't so funny. She actually was so mad at Chris that she kicked him. Um, I, I was actually holding autumn on the floor when her mom came in the house and um she started kicking me from behind kicking me in the in in the butt and i thought it was my buddy i thought it was him because he was super angry and so i was getting ready to swing and i turned around and it was my mother-in-law so my mom rightfully so angry i the whole fighting thing yeah but my mom was like we'll get you out of there we'll do whatever it takes and so i was getting like all these messages from everyone around me and i knelt down and just started praying and heavenly father 
told my heart, you need to stay in this marriage. And it wasn't because people are always like, why did you stay? Like, you have the option to leave. And I didn't stay because I had kids. I didn't stay because of the money. I didn't stay because we just bought a house. I stayed because I really loved Chris. And I could see glimpses of who he was, who he was, who God had intended him to be before. And I just loved him so much. I didn't know what I was signing up for at that time, like no clue what even addiction recovery was at the time. And so I decided to stay. And um, from that point, he was excommunicated from our church. And we were still going to our marriage counselor, and she referred him to a sexual addiction therapist. And he saw him for about a month. And I'm like, what the heck is sexual addiction? Like, this is just some made-up malarkey bullcrap. Like, it's yeah, just like, an Am excuse. I getting gaslighted again right now? Yeah, like, like hell seriously. No. Yeah. yeah. And um, she's like, no, really, there's studies. It was just starting to come out. We're yeah. just on the forefront. And his therapist was like, hey, I'm actually taking over this other practice, so I'm going to refer you to this program called Lifestar. And he's like, okay. So he comes home, and he's all, I signed us up for this program that we got referred to by, I don't even remember his therapist's name. And, and I'm like, no. Mm, you can go do that. I'm good. Yeah. And um, he's like, no, it's for couples. Like, you go together. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, I'm not going to this garbage I thought, you know, I'm going to be the only wife sitting in this room. Right. And so the first day I walked in. And there's in. some couple like sitting that they're like, right, she gets me. <laughs> yeah. And so the first time we walked in, he and he called me. Chris's typical thing before was, I'll meet you there. So I always knew things were going to be bad if Chris is always like, I'm going to meet you there. I'm like, oh, great. So I end up walking in and... Having, I walk in and there's this big room full of people and there's women, women and men and I was like, oh, I there was, were 36 other people in the in the room at the time. I was and they're all normal surprised. looking. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh, there's not these creeper dudes. Like, sorry, that's a bad stigma. But in the beginning, I was like, I have no idea what this is. Kayla had the same concern about going to group counseling. And I thought, same oh, issue. we're gonna be, we're gonna do this group for three months and we're gonna get healed <laughs> and everything's going to be hunky dory and he's not going to have this addiction anymore and it's all going to go away and praise the lord we're healed and move on magic and pill found yeah, it yeah yeah and that's the start of our recovery process yeah so chris is going to tell a story about this guy named todd so that was actually when i walked into that meeting was the first time that i had no, that i had finally not felt alone hmm that I wasn't alone in this anymore. I was like, I'm not the only one that's dealing with this crap. Because mm-hmm. um, I dealt with it on my own for so long, and I didn't really know how big it was at the time. Um, now I know. It is, <laughs> it is much bigger than I ever anticipated it. Yep. But so, so we actually, kind of a really cool story about that is, so when I was, we didn't get to the point of, uh, right after everything came out, about four months after, uh, they they delayed my uh, church disciplinary court. Which is common. And so they waited four months. And so January of 2007 
Um, I was actually excommunicated at the time. And during that time, I, when there was somebody that was just, that stood out when he was there uh, in the, in the disciplinary court. Um, I remember One walking of the high away, councilman. Yep, the high councilman. And so when I was walking away, Autumn and I were walking away and I was bawling to Autumn and, and there was a guy that was walking about a hundred feet in front of us. And, and I was like, Autumn, I don't know what it is, but there's something about this man that I need to know. Like, I have no idea what it is, but this guy is special. Something about him. And two weeks later, Autumn meets me here, but Autumn shows up first to the Lifestar event. Not event, but the Lifestar group. And phase one, as they yep, call it at Lifestar. And Todd Olson pulls her aside and says, Autumn, do you remember me? And she's like, no. And he's like, I was in your husband's, husband's disciplinary court two weeks ago. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're the one. You're the one that my husband said there's something special about this guy. So there is no doubt in my mind that Todd was placed in my life, in our lives at that time in order for us to be able to get to where we are now. God had a plan for us. And in fact, we actually just met with some friends of ours um, this last Friday, and he was also one of the high councilmen. He, no, excuse me, he was in the high stake presidency um, and one of the counselors there. And he said, Chris, he's all there's in the 10 years that I was in the stake presidency, there's maybe three times that I ever felt the feeling like I felt when you were there. And he goes, the spirit was so strong that I knew, he goes, I knew God had plans for you too. He's like, he had a direction. He had somewhere to take you guys. And he goes, we never pray. We don't ever pray as a presidency after. He goes, every single one of us prayed in different prayers together. And he goes, we never do that. He goes, but we were inspired to pray together and, and pray individually with that. So it was, it was pretty cool to, to hear that and just know that God was even, God was so involved in, in our lives. Even then, and I had no idea at the time. So we start Lifestar. <laughs> so I start Lifestar and, and recovery man, happens and it's all good. And here you are now, a decade oh, later, I, right? Isn't it was that, so perfect. Isn't that the like story? I, I never slipped, and we were good to go. And <laughs> He didn't have any problems after that. It was just like... Chris is the poster boy for don't do what Chris did. Learn from our so, our story. So that that's a, that's a confession uh, I have to make, which Chris and I already know this. So uh, I'm I'm doing counseling now. As, well, I guess everyone in this room knows. So um, I I had Chris and Autumn uh, come in to meet with a couple that I was counseling with, and um, and so they met Chris and Autumn. Chris and Autumn shared their story. They asked them some questions, and then so Chris and Autumn leave, and so I'm I'm with the couple. We're kind of you know we're gonna download a process. How is that hearing their story, or whatever. Um, and he says to me, the client says to me, he says, yeah, I just, I just don't want to end up like that guy, you know, guys in his twenties, you know, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I just, I hear stories like that. And I'm like, I do not want to be that guy. And I was like, you got it. That's it. Like, that was exactly <laughs> what I want. Like, you don't have to do the, the road doesn't have to be that hard to hoe, you know? And so, 
So tell us about, so you, you've kind of started recovery. The lights are on like addiction recovery. Autumn, you've kind of gotten warm to the experience of, of being there. And so take us from there. So I, I started, you know, obviously with Lifestar, but I also started SA. Um, and so that was a big part. I was going to both of both meetings and I too thought, you know, three months, we're going to be good to go and everything will be get done. And within about a year, uh, so there, so Lifestar has three phases and we were almost done. There was 18 months later, Autumn was totally graduated. I was almost done, but within a year after everything coming out, uh, so the following September, I started affairs again and those continued on. And I, uh, when I got to about 18 months is when, um, God really came, stepped in my life and, um, I finally got the courage enough to tell Autumn everything, I hated the person that I had become. Uh, I didn't want to be that person anymore. And so I I laid everything out to Autumn. From when I was a kid growing up through the rest of my life, I told her everything. So what really got you there? So I've, I've hit you up about this before several times because the natural point for probably anyone listening was like, Autumn attempts suicide. We're at a real low. One thing, Chris, didn't you didn't say that you shared before is, you know, it's, he's like, I promise if you will, you know, you prayed, if you'll save Autumn from this, I'll I'll be good. I'll I'll straighten right. out whatever. And so it's like sometimes people associate like, you know, you hit the rock bottom and that's when you turn around. That's when the real recovery happens. But like God had intervened. He puts Todd in your life. Autumn chooses to stay. Like she starts her own path of healing. And like, 18 like you're still doing an affair later so like what like what actually changed like what what made you feel because you describe it differently you're like i finally came forward with everything and and i'm like well why this time like you have like six rock bottoms like why this one (laughs) um it was actually because i i went to a movie that was about joseph smith um at the joseph smith memorial memorial building in salt lake and I went to that. I'd seen it before. I'd gone with. I was going with Autumn and my daughter, and I was watching as as Joseph Smith is giving priesthood blessings to um, the the camp there, the women and the children who are super sick, and and that was when God really touched my heart and said, "You need to change your life. You need to have the gospel in your life again." Uh, so this is. This is because you're still excommunicated. Yeah, I'm still excommunicated, not even knowing what I want to do, um, because I'm still having affairs. I I just don't even want to be with Autumn. I'm just there. I'm just totally checked out on our marriage. Um, I'm just there because I have kids, and um, I I God just told me you need to change your life. So it really, and what's weird about that is that the next day, um, my cousin called me, and I'd gone to. A, golfing a couple of days before my cousin called me and he's like, Hey, I heard somebody was saying that you were drinking out on the course. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I wasn't. And I'm like, you know what? Because I had made that decision that I was going to start making some changes. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I was. I said, but you know what? I'm done with this stuff. I don't want to be this person anymore. And so I, it still took me about two months to finally come out and disclose everything to Autumn. Um, part of it was she was like, I'm going to do a lie detector test. And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, so talk to us about that empowerment. Like, how did you get to your own empowerment, Autumn? So when we started recovery, I totally, like, sucked it all in like a sponge. Um, I loved it. I loved my group. 
Um, in phase one, a really important thing that happened, um, Dorothy Marion, who's a therapist with Lifestar, mm-hmm. did an exercise, and she called. It's called a family of origin um, exercise, and um, she had us go home and do our homework about like people that had depression, anxiety, um, alcoholism, addictions in both of our families. And I really did my homework and we came back and she actually said, how many people have five? And people raised their hand, 10 and 15. And she got, I had like 21. (laughs) And she's all, can I have you and your husband come up? And so she had us face each other. And then she brought people up in the group that were sitting with us to there and said, you guys are repairing what's broken from these generations. And that really impacted me so strongly. And I'm like, I am in the right place at the right time, and I'm going to do everything in my power to heal my own life. And so we started our recovery. So for the 18 months that I was in recovery, I was like soaking it in. I was doing all my assignments. Um, Making sure I'm doing mine. Yeah. yeah. I was going to group every week. And you, um, were you engaging in your assignments or just kind of oh, half-ass totally. doing it just no, because? I, I, mean, I, was in, I was engaged when I would do them, but it was, sometimes it was like the night before that. I'd be like, okay. hey, did you do your homework? Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, no. And I'm like, you should get your homework out. We should. And I was kind of pushing him yeah. along. And after 18 months, I was like, there's some stuff off. Just it wasn't right. And I got to group. And I said to my therapist, who also happened to be Todd, um, there's shit going on in my house. Really, specifically, that's what I said. And I don't know what I don't know what is the deal with Chris. I totally think he's being a liar. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, he can't live a dual life forever. Addicts can't live a dual life. So he's either going to kill himself or he's going to come out and come clean to you at some point. What are you going to do? And I had learned boundaries, and I'd learned how to set boundaries for myself. And the best piece of advice that I was given when I started recovery was to wait a year before I made any huge, huge decisions. Well, a year had come and gone. And so I had to really think. And then Todd said, can you live in a marriage where somebody is constantly in addict mode? Because... There are people that do it and they have happy lives. Are you going to be one of those people? Can you do that? And so I sat down with myself and God. And I had also done a lot of crazy making in the interim. I shouldn't, I hate when people say crazy making. Where it's just a lot of trying to control things. Control. Yeah. yeah. And people, um, the phrase when I started recovery was codependence. Now it's more betrayal, trauma response, and prodependence. I still use the word codependent for myself um, because I was engaging in codependent behavior. I was doing everything I could to make, to make, and I'm using quotation marks right now, make Chris get better. And it just wasn't working. And finally, I knelt down in my kitchen and I can remember sobbing to God. This is not working. I don't know what to do anymore. Please help me. I feel like this is just all this big joke. And Heavenly Father said, Autumn, you give me Chris. You give him to me. Mm. You let me take Chris. 
and I'll take care of you. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I promise you, you'll be okay. And so that was kind of the start of me, like going, okay, God, this is Chris, is, it's his addiction. He's going to own it. And if I'm married, I'll be okay. If I'm not married in the end of this, I'll be okay. And I started having some stronger boundaries with Chris. And then about that time that he watched the movie, I had approached him about two or three weeks later and said... By the way, this is one of my favorite autumn moments that you're about to share. <laughs> I've just heard their story before. It's a spoiler, yeah. but... I said well, So if you're like me, ADHD, going off the rails, like, listen now, this is gold. <laughs> I said to him... If you need to tell me something, I'll be okay. And he's like, what? I said, I know there's something that you're not telling me. I will be okay. We may not be married after this, but I love you and we, I will be okay. And he said, okay, thanks for sharing. And then later that night, he's like... But before, she, before you say that, she said, if there is more and you're not ready to tell me, then just tell me that. And I said, yeah, well, I've been drinking. And she's meaning, like, no. Meaning just say, yes, there's more. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I said, well, I've been drinking. And she goes, no, there's more. And I said, okay, there's more, but I'm not ready to tell you, but I'll tell you in our counseling appointment next week. And then I got the call that morning. Hey, I'm going to meet you at counseling. Yeah. You know what that means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so, what, a, what a baller move creating the safety and right. I'll let James go, but I just want to highlight like Autumn, baller move. So I just, I can't highlight enough just how powerful that is in that moment that it's so many of the spouses need to come to really both in on both sides of the table where you finally have to let the other person go that control, you know, from the mm -hmm. spouse's side, you have to stop controlling their recovery and hand them over to God or, and just set them free. And the addict has to do the same thing often with the spouse. They have to stop trying to manipulate, control, make her stay, or all those things. You just have to let her go. What's beautiful is surrender. It yeah, all happened at the same is. time. I had my epiphany and, and my connection with God, and she had hers. And it all like kind of came together at the same time, yeah. which isn't always the case, right? Sometimes no, one not. spouse. And and I mean, I would say you know you probably had several epiphanies, Autumn, before it sounds like in your in your eighteen months of really work and recovery, you're you know being a sponge. A lot of that, yeah. There's probably a lot of growth there. There was tons. Yeah. Tons and tons. So so he meets you there. He meets me there, and he's like, "There is a lot more than I need to share," and. He told me some, and I said, there's definitely more that you're going to need to tell me, right? And he said, yeah, there's, there's one more thing. I just don't think I'm quite ready. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to leave. He goes, do you want me to leave? I can go stay somewhere for a week or two. Or I'm like, nope. I'm pretty PO'd at you right now. And I probably said the F word in that office 50 times that day. <laughs> and then I said, I'm By the way, I'm it was out. a five-minute appointment. Peace out. I was like, <laughs> peace out. I'm gone. And so I actually left for a week um, and really had to set myself up again for K. So this is like the third time coming out. So we tell people, please don't do full disclosure three different times. 
Like, I know it's scary to do a full disclosure once, and they even have in in our recovery program, Lifestar, they've made a workbook now about disclosure. Um, but it does a number on you. It really does. It's like uh, high and low, high and low, high and low. And then you go down to this deep low, but I knew I was going to be okay. Um, and I did a lot of praying during that week. And I came home and I said, I can't be married to somebody who isn't in recovery, like real legit recovery. So if you're not going to do that, I'm out. Um, I love you. You're an amazing, and the thing is, is Chris is an amazing father to our kids. He is an amazing son. He's an amazing friend. He was a really good poser though. And so I was like, I'm done with this, the load of crap. So you're going to have to start real recovery. And he did actually, our therapist made him start over. And that's kind of when I saw changes in him. And it was over time. It wasn't like some quick fix. Yeah. Chris, did you panic that week that she took off? Not at all. No. Nope. Um, I just, at, at that time, I was giving it to God. Um, just just praying a, a ton during that time because I was like, I've got to do something different. Yeah. And so that's really when my, my prayers started changing. Uh, instead of just praying when I'm in trouble, I'm like, I've got to do something different. So then I started um, hitting my knees and then um, praying out loud to God, just really pouring my heart out to Him and, and really just letting Him take the reins of, of my life because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was scared to death, but I, scared to death for, for me, not that she was going to leave me, but I was just scared to death because this is the first time I've given God everything. So it was scary to surrender and hand it over to God. Yeah. Well, and he was being honest, which he hadn't been honest for a long time. Chris was lying about everything, and he was lying about the lies that he was telling. He he was just a flat-out liar all the time. So he got honest with himself, which yeah. I'd never seen that. Mm-hmm. Well, I hadn't seen it in a really long time from him. And that's kind of how I knew his recovery was starting to work, because he started being honest, and he started being vulnerable, and he started being real. And he started checking in and telling me, hey, I had a slip today. Checking in every night. Yeah. We did. We started. He checked in with me every night. It was physically, emotionally, sexually, and spiritually. spiritually. And he did that every night for a long time. And for, for the first six months, it was almost every day I had a slip with masturbation today. I had a slip with looking at a woman, a woman longer than three seconds. I... Um, because we had a, one of my boundaries was you can look at a beautiful person and acknowledge that they're beautiful, but that's it. Because he would take it a step further and start grooming them and be like, hey, and try and talk to him in the grocery store. Um, so for six months, that was really hard, really hard for me to hear every day. I'm like, what is he doing in his group? Like, what is he not getting? <laughs> um, and... Finally, after six months, he looked at me and said he had a slip. And I'm, and I'm like, dude, you have the tools. You have been taught what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do. Did you do your relapse prevention sheet? No. Did you call the guys in your group? Well, no. Did you call your brother? Did you do? And did you reach out? Did you get on your knees? Did you? Well, no. I said, quit being 
a not nice word and buck up <laughs> and baby a big baby and buck up and start utilizing your recovery because this has just got to stop. And he, he's our therapist was like, I'm so proud of you <laughs> to me because <laughs> I was like, dude, what is going on? And he kind of now you can take over. That well, but and, and Chris, I guess I'd lead you in with this question. It sounds like her codependency, her owning your addiction and trying to fix it for you was not helpful for your process. But it sounds like her boundaries, and I'll even use healthy boundaries, was helpful. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have the 24-hour rule where if I had a slip, I would have to tell her within 24 hours. And the longest that I ever went was six hours. Because I'm like, why am I going to sit here for the next 24 hours freaking out inside, worrying about, I've got to tell her, I've got to tell her, I get, oh, I'm not going to tell her. I've got to tell her, you know, do having this conversation with myself. I'm like, yep. why? And I'm like, I just made it six hours. And I'm like, Hey, I'm done. Like I had a slip with masturbation and, and here's what happened. And, and finally just started reaching out. I, I was like, I gotta do something different there too. So I started reaching out, reaching out to the guys in my group, reaching out to God, um, making sure that I would, I was checking in with autumn every day and saying my prayers every morning. It wasn't just like, just, the casual prayers or anything like that. It was like sincere, heartfelt prayers because I wanted to love Autumn again. I truly married my best friend because we didn't even get, or we didn't even date before we got engaged. Like we just knew our feelings for each other. We were best friends. I totally lost sight of that because of my addiction. And then I'm like, there was something that I loved about my wife. And I wanted to find that again because I knew I could do it if I give her a hundred percent of me. And so I was like, God, show me how I can love my wife again. Show me the things that I fell in love with her for. Show me everything that I love about her. And so I started seeing all these beautiful things about my wife, seeing her in a totally different light instead of always focusing on that negative uh, that I, I mean, we could all do that and look at all the negative that we see in our spouses or others. And that's all we're going to see. But when I started changing and started focusing on those positive things and the things that I, that I loved about her, I totally started seeing her in a, to as a totally different person as the beautiful, amazing daughter of God that she was and just who she, who she truly is. And that's really when my recovery just really took a step up and uh, I just, I, I really connected with, um, with Autumn a lot more. We were connecting because we're actually finally talking. That communication piece of checking in with her every day allowed us to start talking and have the communication that we've never had before. So that was really good. And then... Um, well, I was, I, the thought that comes to me is it's interesting because as we like all sit here and know you now, like you're the Hulk of hope. Like you're one of the most like hopeful, happy-go-lucky, like... It's like you don't have a mean bone in your body that type person. And so uh, part of me like wants to go back uh, and be <laughs> addict Chris just to like know that he's real, you know, because I, I just never knew you in that phase of your life, you know. And so I just know you now, um, you know, I met you when you were like five years completely sober of everything. And so like I know I know the right the new person that you are. Um, yeah. So, cause that, that is true about you. Like you are a completely new man, right? And autumn, you talked before about like, you don't do husband bashing, you don't participate in husband bashing and, 
And, um, and so just like that, I, I guess I'm just saying as someone who knows you personally, like what you're expressing is actually true about you having just hung out with you on a Friday night and whatever, like you're two of the most positive people and, you know, uplifting people. That's just a truth about you. But tell us like what, what were the other like keys for recovery? Like what were the things that were game changers for you guys? Um, probably the biggest thing was finally coming out with the full disclosure of everything. Full I wasn't, disclosure. I wasn't hiding any affairs anymore. I wasn't hiding things about my childhood. And that was, that was a huge point for autumn when I finally, you know, what she said in the counseling appointment that I still had something else to disclose. And it still took me a while to finally come out and tell her that. And you, I'll let you share that part. Just when he finally disclosed everything to me, I, f- I actually saw a physical change in him and this light that had been missing from him was back. It was coming back. Um, it was amazing for me to see. And he started telling me the truth and I would take the worst, worst truth over the tiniest lie. Um, because he was telling the truth for once. Um, he started validating me, which we, we learned a lot about validation in therapy. And he started parroting me. So when we'd get in fights, he'd be like, so you're angry because of X, Y, Z. Yes, I'm angry because of X, Y, Z. What do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, okay, so use this. And, and after a while of him and I working through our arguments that way, I was like, he's really understanding me instead of before where he was just like blowing me off or you just need to change this about you or you need to do this. He was actually like listening to my feelings and validating me. He created a lot of safety for me. And I always felt physically safe with Chris. There was a lot of physical safety. It was more the emotional safety that I didn't feel from him. And he created that for me in checking in and doing the, um, validating me. And he didn't have anything to hide anymore. He would be like, you can check my phone anytime. You can check my computer. You can, my dad actually had taught me how to hack into a computer about eight months before that. And I'd hacked in, I hacked into his work computer and found garbage. And I'm like, what is this? And he lied about it. And it was so refreshing for me and not that I needed to look at his phone all the time. Cause that is, that's but part the, of the he was open. He yeah, wasn't he was defensive totally and gaslighting. And yeah. And he was totally open. He's like, here, yeah. part of our boundaries or were accountable. Yeah. I guess that's a- part of our boundaries were he couldn't go to the gym. Um, he did a lot of, that was our personal. We both decided on that. Um, because he would go from the gym to wherever, to a person's house. It wasn't necessarily the gym that was the problem. And um, it was really interesting. A few years ago, he came to me so humble, and I felt like a big a-hole <laughs> when he's like, can I go back to the gym? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, you could go back to the gym. Like, <laughs> But he was, I just was like, so... It had been seven years. Yeah, it, I'd been so grateful <laughs> that he would even ask me, okay, can I go back to the gym instead of, hey, I'm going back to the gym and this and that. He's like, hey, I know that the gym causes this for you, and can I go back? Safety. Yeah, right total here. safety. Because um, he would have accepted if you would have said no. Yeah, uh-huh. I to- okay. he totally would have. Another really cool experience that we had, um, 
somebody pulled me aside and said, I just want to tell you, I was in a group with Chris. They had gone to um, the priesthood session downtown, and they went to the mall after, and they were, they were like walking through to go to the restaurant. It was either before or after, and the person said, there was a very, very beautiful woman walking by, and Chris actually put his head down in a group of men and walked by her and then looked back up and carried on. And he's all, I don't think you know that he truly is living the recovery that he say that he's saying he is. And he, he was, and he does, and he is. That's cool. Chris, what about for you? About what? <laughs> what? Chris is getting taken out by the autumn loves him. <laughs> no big deal. Just shedding some tears, feeling the love. And if you ever hear the opportunity to hear Chris and I'm speak live, you need to take that opportunity because it's they're the real deal. You can you can tell that sitting here with you guys. And that, I mean that's as you know. And I shared it on my story. I went home and told Caleb, I'm like they're totally normal people, and it's totally real. Like I was there in the room with them, and that that same authenticities here with us now so so after after we finally like did full disclosure and stuff i started making all these changes in my life i eventually went to a thing called warrior heart which oh. is what we have talked about <laughs> numerous times on here um hashtag warriorheart.com <laughs> so warrior heart just really really just stepped it up for me with my connection with God. I'd already started seeking him out. Yeah, baby. And it it completely changed me. June 2009 was the first boot camp that we held here in Utah. And I had no idea what I was going into and what to expect or anything. And I am like, sure, I'll go. Todd's putting it on. Yeah, dope. I'm, I'm totally in. So we went. I remember I had like a dollar to my name, like literally a dollar I had a dollar with me, and my buddy Jim paid for me to go. <laughs> Which was amazing that he would do that because something so little to him completely changed my life and my trajectory in my recovery and what I was going to be able to do with uh, being able to speak and be part of this message, this amazing message and this newfound intimacy with God and this love of God. And I, I went to that boot camp and I was just a freaking bawling mess. And that was the first time I'd ever dealt with, um, my father, my father took his life when I was 17 and he shot himself and I was super angry, but I just didn't really know. I was angry at the time. I mean, I was in the morgue sitting there next to my dad's dead body, and I'm super pissed. I'm not even crying. I'm just pissed um, because he had done something like that. And so I had to walk out because I had so much anger, and I didn't really know how to deal with those feelings. Shoot, I'm 17 years old. Yeah. <laughs> So, and I'm, I'm 17 and I'm like, going, I, I don't know how to deal with this stuff. And so I just kind of put it away and said, I will never do this to my family ever. And then just moved on with the rest of my life, you know, and, and it wasn't until I went up to boot camp that I really finally dealt with that. And man, it was incredible. God just showed me 
things in in my life showed me so many things of how he was in my life and these tender mercies that he's given me and the love notes that he sends me and all these beautiful things and and this I found this new connection with God I'm like you know what this is a message that I need to be a part of so I started helping with the uh, putting out the the marketing pieces and sending that out and being part of that then I became the prayer team lead and now I'm on the speaking team and and it's just been a part of my life for the last almost 11, well 11 years now coming up in June and totally changed my life, and it's been part of me now. God, therapy, what like what have we not covered? What gems are you hiding, Chris and Autumn? Recovery gems. I Anything else we didn't cover? Along with Warrior Heart, um, the women's retreat, just it took me a long time to realize that you cannot get your validation from anywhere but God. I think a lot of people in recovery look to their therapists for validation. They look to their parents. They look to their loved ones. They look to their spouse, their kids, their Church job. Church leader, job. Yeah, yeah, just anything else but um, Heavenly Father. And I have found just in my own recovery that when I go to God for my validation first— All that other stuff is just a bonus. Like God loves me for who I am. Like I'm I'm already paid for. Like I don't have to hustle for him. I don't have to work hard for him. Um in in our recovery, I always felt like as long as I'm hustling for God, he'll he'll have my back. Yeah, hustling for your work, yeah, earning I it. Totally, as Steve Shields would say. Yeah, yeah. totally earning it. have to hustle for God. Um and just I mean, this the last few years, I'm like, no, God loves you for who you are right now as you are. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, and no matter where you're going, His love doesn't change for you. So someone starting recovery who feels very far from God and very disconnected or their higher power, I would say to you, you are not too far you are going to be found. Someone is going to find you. You are not lost. You are not. You are not too far gone for God to save you. Um, even as a wife, like feeling alone in recovery, I can remember sitting in church feeling totally alone and having a friend have the same experience as me was like, wow, there's someone else like me. And actually now we know statistically half of a congregation is like us. So at least um, it it's just good to know that you're not alone in this. And Heavenly Father will place people in your recovery who need to be in your recovery with you. Um, your story is sacred. Not everybody shares their story totally. um and who but if you, you want to with. send us an email <laughs> yeah. there's your little plug yep <laughs> but um just your story sacred to you and you'll know who to share it with and there will be people that will enter into your life that are god's angels here on earth that are meant for you and it could be that you share your story with us in the whole world that could be true it for could some be. listening yeah. yep 
Oh, I forgot. One of that, Chris. I forgot to say. So I actually did get rebaptized. Oh yeah, that did happen. <laughs> well, so 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 tell us now. Like, give us the stats now. Tell us about your sobriety now and kind of all that. And yep. So got rebaptized 2010, um, and then obviously, I mean, so much stuff happened. But then um, right now, so this month, this is April of 2020. Right now, this month, I hit 12 years of of sobriety from being with a woman. Um, January of this year, I hit 12 years of sobriety from pornography and then December I had hit 10 years of sobriety from masturbation. So that was a little bit harder to stop because I, I mean, that was almost like a daily occurrence and I can well, just, that's the drug that's punching your brain. Right. right? And yeah, I, yeah. I could just not look at the pornography and the computer or I could just not be with a woman, but pornography or a, a masturbation is just like part of me. It's there. And so I had to figure out new ways of, of handling that and part of that was my prayers. Uh, I used to have uh, masturbation slips in the shower. So then I decided, you know what? I'm going to keep the door open so that my wife can always see into the shower. She can always see what I'm doing. And that became my time with God. And I cannot tell you how many times over and over again that saved me from uh, slipping with masturbation because I would have that temptation come in and I'm like, no, this is going to be my time to spend with God. And I would jump in the shower and I'm vulnerable and just open to him and just would start talking to him. And that temptation would go away over and over and over again. So final word, Chris, we'll give it to you for the hopeless out there who are feeling <laughs> hopeless for the men who are like, glad that worked for you, but not for me. Autumn talked a little bit about full disclosure. Don't don't do it three different times. Um, it's it's super hard, and I totally get that. But go to your therapist and find out. It, lay everything out to the therapist so they can help walk you through how to do that the right way. Um, because sometimes you may you may do it the wrong way, and that may make everything blow up. Um, Autumn also talked about not making a decision for a full year. And of everything coming out and not making the decision, had Autumn made that decision to get divorced and, and follow through with uh, li- or listen to what everybody else had said, she would have divorced me. But she listened to God and she went to God because that's where she needed to get her validation from of what she needed to do and find direction. Had she not done that, we would have been divorced and I would have been a weekend dad and we wouldn't have this amazing, beautiful friendship and this love intimacy that we have. We wouldn't have that. And I have my best friend back. She is truly someone that I, that I love to be around. We can drive to St. George and not turn any music on. We will talk for four hours straight um, because I love being with her. I love being around her. I don't look at my phone when she calls and go, oh, it's her again. I don't want to answer the phone. I answer the phone and I'm like, hey, babe, how's it going? You know, and, and she gives me butterflies all the time. We touch each other. We're close to each other. We, we love each other. And we fight for each other's hearts. And that's, that's one thing that's really important is I, I finally learned how to fight for her heart and how to go to God for my validation instead of to Autumn for my validation or to these other women for my validation. I know that I can go to God for my validation and 
um, know that he's never going to invalidate me. Autumn can invalidate me. She can say that I'm not doing good enough or that I'm not enough. Right. But God will never tell me that I'm not enough. Yeah. Listen to God. Listen to God. You know what I hear you saying? Because maybe yep. maybe it's not to stay married, right? Maybe the listen to God is to not stay married or, you know, and, and everyone's rep- recovery path is different. But that's Chris and Autumn's. And, um, uh, you know, I just love you guys. Love both of you. Um, you know, is when we wrap up, we let everyone pick a song that is, you know, instrumental, connective to their recovery. So... Send so, us out. What's the song going to be? So the song I would choose, I don't know if Adam would choose the same song, but is Without You by For King and Country. And the reason, because if you watch the beginning of that video, he talks about being without his wife and without each other. And I, I literally cannot picture my wife or picture my life without Autumn in it. And I always want her to be part of my life, and I love having her in it. So I, w- I would say we do Without You by Freaking Country. We can do that. <laughs> Done. Love you guys. Follow us on unashamedunafraid.com, uh, at unashamedunafraid on social. If you have anonymous questions, submit it. If you want to reach Chris, the whole hope, it is Chris at unashamedunafraid.com. And they go out and share their story all the time. So if you want to come share at church, school, whatever, group, family, they do it all the time. So reach out to them. Reach out to us. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for uh, sharing. Autumn, always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us on the podcast. Love you guys. Perfect for you guys. And so with that, we'll go for King Country without you. What do you do when you don't get better? Strong arms get too, get too weak to hold her. Oh God, give me just enough strength to make it through. This madness is walking me out to the ledge And stands there beside me Shivering out on the edge And oh God, all I, all I ask is a little relief Just a moment of peace I don't want to live
Winter turns into summer 